Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. Good morning. Uh, I think it's good to have a live speaker, as opposed to a video one, right? <laughs> so I, as my slides come on, I just want to tell you this story as we begin. Uh, so this story is of um, this Korean grandmother called Mrs. Cha. And she needed a driving license desperately because she was running a vegetable business. Um, so in 2005, at the, the ripe old age of 64, she started to attempt the driving theory test in Korea. However, due to her educational level, she was really struggling with this test, and so she kept failing again and again and again. But this resilient lady was, was quite amazing, and actually she, she eventually passed. But on her 950th attempt of the driving theory test, so those of you who have taken driving tests before, I, some of us took many times, but nobody took 950 times. Huh? Maybe 90 times you were like, I think God has called me to something else, right? <laughs> and so her story of perseverance really won the hearts of uh, many South Koreans. That car was given free by Kia Motors. You know, there's something about uh, her story of perseverance that uh, stirs the human spirit. But today we're going to think about perseverance, not as the world defines it, but perseverance through the lens of God's Word. Now you can't miss the topic of perseverance, the theme, right at the start of uh, Paul's second letter to the Thessalonian church. Uh, last week, Reverend Edmund Wong uh, gave us the overview for this letter, and this morning we, we continue by looking at the first four verses. So just turn with me in your Bibles if you have them. It's always good to follow along in the scriptures. Today, I, I, I promise you, we will dive into a very short passage. Okay, so that's 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Okay, so what we're going to do, we're going to read this together. But before we do that, you know, um, the verses just before this, Paul starts the letter by greeting. Right? It's what you and I would do with any letter. Uh, we greet uh, our readers, but right after that, he thanks God. And this is what's on the slide now. What, what he does here is that he, he has this thanksgiving section where he gives thanks to, to the Lord because he's so proud of this church. They've done exceptionally well persevering through difficult times. Okay, so what we're going to do this morning, we're going to learn from this church, this amazing church, by reading these verses together. You can follow with me on the screen, shall we? Okay, so on the count of three, uh, we just read this together. One, two, three. Here we go. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. It's what we're going to focus on this morning. Now, there's a word in there that I want you to pay attention to. It's the word steadfastness. It comes from the Greek word hupomone. And it refers to the ability to bear up in the face of difficulties. The strength to keep on keeping on. 
Now, the Thessalonian Christians were keeping on in the midst of their difficulties, in their afflictions, in persecution. What was that? They were despised for their faith in Christ, ostracized. And you ask me, why were they persecuted? Here's why. So you see, when they turned to Christ, these Thessalonian Christians, they could no longer join in the worship of the Greek and Roman gods in that society. Now, the worship of these gods was a key part of everything that went on, all the cultural, economic activities in that society. So once they stopped worshipping, right, they have to stop being part of society, as it were, they become outcasts. And they suffered financially, they were kicked out from the trade guilds, they couldn't run business properly, their faith was costly. Now, in Singapore today, we, we don't have this kind of religious persecution. Thank God for that. Uh, because we've got laws like uh, the religious harmony laws and so on. But there may be many, many other afflictions that we are going through as a church. So affliction in, in the Greek has the idea of troubles that cause inward distress. And some of us coming here today, we are in some distress. Now, we, are, we might be facing problems that take a toll on our, our spiritual health, emotional health, psychological health, even physical health. Some of us may be facing long-term illness. And I know a few people who are in that situation today. Some of us are having financial trouble that's made worse by inflation, rising cost of living. For others, fights at home, workplace conflicts. And the list of afflictions can go on and on and on. The question for us today is this. How is God's people, do we persevere through the afflictions of life? How do we keep on keeping on when the going gets tough and it remains tough? No, it's one thing to persevere when we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. But what if we don't know how long the night is going to last? So I believe from God's Word this morning, the Word of God in 2 Thessalonians gives us three insights into how we can keep on keeping on. First, we need to look upward in faith. Next, we look outward in love. And finally, we look forward in hope. We look upward in faith, outward in love, and forward in hope. We're going to look at these one at a time. First, we look upward in faith. In our text today, Paul talks about the faith of the Thessalonian church. You can count, right, in, in verses 3 and 4. Not once, but twice. And when you see repetitions in the Scriptures, it's always significant. Their faith enabled them to persevere through pain. In faith, they look upward to God. Now, faith is one word we throw around a lot in church, but one that sometimes we don't understand fully. So what does it mean? To have faith. Now here's what I want to bring before us this morning. Friends, I believe that exercising faith is not about firing up some kind of good feeling, stirring up optimism, believing that the outcome that we want is just round the corner. But faith is about fixing our eyes on the faithfulness of God. We sang about it already this morning. In 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 5, Paul writes this prayer for the suffering Thessalonian church. And he says this, May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Steadfastness again. Right, the same word, hupomoni, we came across in chapter 1. So what's Paul saying? He's praying for the hearts of the steadfast Thessalonian church. 
to be focused on their steadfast Saviour. Isn't that amazing? This is what we are called to, to do today. But how do we do that? How do we focus on the faithfulness of God? How do we build our faith? Let me suggest two simple ways. Firstly, we need to listen to His Word. Romans 10.17, many of us memorize this verse. says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the, the Word of God. Now, we, we can't fix our eyes on the faithfulness of God if our ears are close, close to what He's saying. We simply have to make space in our lives to get back to the Word of God. The next thing we need to do is to remember His works. Now, all of us go through seasons where life is murky. We can't trace the hand of God in our life right now. We don't know what He's doing. But when that happens, let's look back in, into the past because God has acted clearly in the past. Come before the cross. Come before the empty tomb and open your journal. Flip through and remember those times where God came through for you already. It's already happened because it happened in the past. He answered your prayer. He healed you. He delivered you. He rescued you. You know, when you, you exercise faith when you fix your eyes on the faithfulness of God. Now, at this point, I want to address a misunderstanding about faith. Now, there's a Christian teaching which says that when we are not healed of sickness, when we're not delivered from our problems, this means we don't have enough faith. So the logic goes, if you had enough faith, God would have healed you already. He would have answered you already. Now, what's the problem here? with this teaching. It doesn't square with the Scriptures and you don't have to look very far. Just look at our passage today. Right? In verse 4, it says that the Thessalonian church was full of faith but they were still suffering. They were still suffering. So this idea, right, that having faith leads to a comfortable, smooth, problem-free life is a very, very modern one. The early church never thought that way. So it helps us to leave this lens that we have, uh, this modern 21st century lens, and go back into the historical church. Because when we do that, we find the church forged in the fires of suffering. Something a bit alien to us. So let me introduce you to two women you definitely don't know. Okay? Perpetua and Felicitas. They are women martyrs. When did they live? 3rd century AD. They are giants of faith. At a time when society didn't value women very much. They are canonized as saints in the Catholic Church. Now, in the third century, this is, so this is way beyond the time of the Thessalonian Church, right? The Roman emperor was actively persecuting Christians. And so these women faced capital punishment for the, the sole reason that they were steadfastly, stubbornly hanging on to their faith in Christ. Now, Perpetua, she was a noble woman, well-to-do high social standing. Her father was also of nobility. And he begged her, Imagine you're a father, all right? This is your, your, your precious daughter. He begged her, will you renounce your faith, save your life? She said, no. Felicitas, a slave. Different spectrum. She gave birth in prison, had to give up her baby for adoption because she was facing death already. They were sentenced to be executed by wild animals, by gladiators in a Roman arena. This picture actually gives you an idea of what it looks like. The Roman crowds came to be entertained by the deaths of the Christian martyrs. Entertained. And before she died, Felicitas was asked by her jailer, how 
did she have so much courage as a young lady, maybe 20 years old, uh, to face death and so much peace? And this is what she said. She said, when I face the beast, there will be another who will live in me and will suffer for me since I shall be suffering for him. Don't miss this. She persevered in suffering for Christ because she fixed her eyes on the suffering Christ, her Lord, her Saviour. Now, stories like this fill us modern-day Christians with a sense of awe and wonder. We're like, huh? Wow, you mean they're Christians like that? But today, we, we may not be called to die for Christ, but we're certainly called to live for Him, amen? We're called to fix our eyes on Him, set our hearts on Him, as we walk on all the highways and byways of life. So that's our first point this morning. To keep on keeping on, we must look upward in faith. But there's a second thing we need to do. We need to look outward in love. So let's get back to the text. Right, uh, open again your, your Bibles and let's just read this closely. Uh. It says, uh, Paul says this about the Thessalonian church. The love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Now the original Greek can be translated literally. The love that every one of you has, all of you. So Paul is being a bit chonghei, being a bit redundant for emphasis. And he's saying it's not just a few xiao-on Christians uh, who are loving people with time, resources to spare, but it's every single Christian involved in the ministry of loving sacrificially. Now, this Christian community, radical community, wasn't consumeristic. They didn't stand around, fold their arms and say, how does being in this church benefit me? There was no such thing as church hopping in those days. The community was not cliquish because it says they they loved one another, all the brothers and sisters in Christ, not just their own khakis, not just the people they were most comfortable with. But because of this commitment to one another, radical love, they received courage and comfort more than they needed in abundance. Everyone was empowered to persevere through persecution because everyone was meeting the needs of someone else. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't this speak strongly to us in our modern age where we are much more inclined to be individualistic, self-centered? So I want you to go on a journey with me, a thought experiment, and imagine uh, how different the church would be if this was our prayer. Lord, help me to look out for my brothers and sisters in Christ. I want you to imagine right now you in your own CG, uh, and every time you go, every time, you make it your aim to strengthen your brother and sister in Christ. What will happen? You will worry a bit less about how the CG is meeting your own needs, right? You will worry a bit less about how, how well we fit in. Oh, social dynamics uh, doesn't really fit me here. You will worry a bit less about whether or not the, the age group of this CG meets my life stage needs. But you will be filled... You'll be filled with, with a sense of hope, with a sense of joy as you pour out the love of God into somebody else's life. Now, my friends, I believe with all my heart, right, that when we love each other generously, we will be like the church in the book of Acts. We will have enough to go around. There'll be lots to spare because God will meet our needs through one another. That's how we are designed to work in the church. God meets our needs not just dropping things from heaven, sometimes He does, but He meets our needs through one another. 
my wife Pam and I, we, we know what it feels like to be empowered by the love of others. So the last time I was up preaching here, right here on this platform, it was 5th of June this year. So Pam was sitting right there in the congregation, my wife, and there was a, suddenly a sharp pain in her right eye. What was that? It was the beginning of a very severe migraine attack. So after the service, she, she left and tried her best to take our kids uh, to uh, lunch while I was finishing up the second service. But the migraine, it hit her so hard. So she went to Yakun. She had to put her head down in the table. on the table. She could barely, barely move. So we thank God for our mentoring group friends, uh, Inking and Lei Kwan. They, they worship and serve here in the East. And they, they were there to rescue us that day. So Lei Kwan took my older two, uh, not just looking after them, but brought them to Fair Price because we needed to get a short list of groceries. She actually brought them and bought the groceries with them. And then they found, hey, we couldn't find one particular item. Inking drove to another mall to find for us. Their daughter, Emily, you see her in the picture. Six years old, okay? She stayed back in, in Yakun. She was looking after my youngest one, Elijah, four years old. Singing to him, playing games. Six-year-old looking after four-year-old. You know, we're grateful because that day, if, they, if our dear friends didn't help us out, we wouldn't have made it through that day. They looked outward in love. And so we were able to keep on keeping on in our ministry. That day I was able to finish preaching with peace of mind. So to keep on keeping on, my friends, we need to look upward in faith outward in love, and finally we need to look forward in hope. Now, Paul writes this thanksgiving section, not just in this letter, but in the previous letter in 1 Thessalonians. And in that letter, he gives us a key insight about perseverance. And it comes from hope. That's the insight. So in the New International Version, yeah, if you have your Bible, you can just flip to it or just look at it on the screen. This is 1 Thessalonians 1.3. It says that the endurance of the Thessalonians came and was inspired by their hope. Now, the word hope is not mentioned in our passage in 2 Thessalonians, but the idea is certainly implied. Because when we compare these opening sections from the two letters, we find that Paul makes use of his famous trilogy, faith, love, and hope, in the same order. And he ends on this, hope. He ends with hope. Now, in the marathon of life, it is hope that moves us forward a step at a time. Now, during the final phase of my officer training and during national service, we had to do a very, very uh, long march, 70 kilometers. So we had to do it with lots of equipment and we had to navigate to many, many checkpoints along the way with map and compass, okay? Not, not Google Maps and Waze. Okay, so we... In army terms, Hollanded, we got lost quite a bit. So we, 70 km could have been 80 km, we don't know. Uh, and when we got to our final checkpoint, the 60 km, second last checkpoint, at the 60 km mark, we were exhausted. It was about 2 a.m. And to reach the last one, we had to walk along this straight road, 10 kilometers long. Okay, to give you a sense of how 10 kilometers feels like, okay, it's like walking from PACC here where we are to Frog Porridge in Geylang. Okay? That's roughly 10 kilometers. Huh? So you imagine the straight road 
it goes on into a horizon and, and goes on forever to us. But our backs were breaking, our feet were blistered, we, we pressed on step by step because we had a certain hope. Our certain hope was that it would end soon. Right? The Thessalonian church pressed on. They had a certain hope that the Lord Jesus was coming again soon. And so in their hardships, they didn't regress. They didn't retreat. They didn't grow resentful. They advanced and they grew. Here's the thing, in the midst of their pain, they made a decision. They decided to grow more and more Christ-like. I don't know about you, but I, I'm inspired by them. You know, I want to grow in my godly character. I want to advance in the purposes of the Lord, flourish under God's love, even when life is messy, when life is full of madness. My question is, how do we do this? How do we keep growing? How do we keep growing? Now it says here, right, that they didn't just have faith. They grew abundantly in their faith. They didn't just love. Their love increased. How did this happen? How did this happen? Let me introduce you to an idea I, I personally find helpful. Now, our leadership mentor, Reverend Edmund Chan, he, he shared with us many years ago this principle of discipleship. I think it applies to uh, the idea of growth. How do we grow? Um, and so he said, you think big, you start small, you build deep. Think big, start small, build deep. Don't despise the small steps that you take in order to build depth in your soul. Because each of these small steps is building towards a big goal of becoming more like Jesus. Now, I, I'm going to be very bold here. I'm going to add to Pastor Edmund Chan, okay, to his famous saying. Alright, so this is my unpoetic addition. Huh? Think big, you start small. You build deep, but you keep walking. You keep walking. You keep on keeping on. You go slow if you must, but don't stop. So let me illustrate this way. How many of us here in the East have some kind of fitness regimen or exercise routine? Don't be shy. Put your hands up. Something to be proud of. You've got an exercise routine. Yeah? Many fit people here. Now, walking to the fridge multiple times a day doesn't count, okay? <laughs> now, you know, if you have an exercise routine, uh, that when you have a flu bug, right, your, your fitness just goes down the drain, right? And it seems like all your efforts to keep fit over a long period of time have just been wasted. Very demoralizing. So I, I've been through this myself. So the question is, how do we pick ourselves up when that happens? Right, very practical. So this is my answer. You restart, but you, you restart your exercise regime in a very bite-sized, very, very consistent way. So let's say you start, let's say you're a runner. You start running just 10 minutes, okay, your first run after a long time. Go slow, 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 slow speed. The next day, you lengthen the run a bit, 11 minutes. On the treadmill, you add 0.1 km per hour. Just go a little bit faster. Repeat. Rinse and repeat over days and weeks. And before you know it, you're running faster and longer. Now, this principle of progressive growth, I believe, applies to the spiritual life as well. Don't just go through 
the dark seasons in life. Ask the Lord's grace that we may grow through them. Don't just go through the dark seasons, grow through them. Faithfully persevere, my friends, in the spiritual disciplines. Start with five minutes of prayer a day, five minutes of Bible reading. Now, if you don't have the habit, don't be over-ambitious at the start. Just five minutes of prayer, five minutes of Bible reading. But over time, growth happens. Now, there's a little secret of growth. And what looks like incremental growth, if you all know what an exponential curve looks like, it goes straight up like that after being flat for a while. What looks like incremental growth at the start can explode into exponential growth over time. You think big, you start small, you build deep, but keep walking, you keep on keeping on. So just allow me to conclude this sermon um, with a little bit of response, getting us to reflect and respond. Because God gives us His Word, not just for our information, but for our transformation. And today we have explored three insights from 2 Thessalonians on how to keep on keeping on. We look upward in, maybe we say this together, we look upward in faith, outward in love, and forward in hope. Now all this can be a bit abstract, uh, but I think it becomes more concrete when we look at people, everyday heroes, men and women of faith who are among us. Paul says in Philippians 3.17, allow me to paraphrase, he says, pay attention to role models who walk according to Christ's pattern. Right, so it's a good thing to have some heroes. Right, I want to give us a final dose of inspiration this morning by sharing about someone familiar to most of us. Right, someone whose message is a lived reality. Someone that you saw this very morning. Our CEO, Reverend Matthew Lowe. <laughs> okay, here he is. In this picture, uh, with his wife Rebecca, his son Chris, going to NS soon. Now, here's the story. Uh, some of us know that Pastor Matt has had some significant health challenges lately. Right, but I want you to know two things about this man. Uh. One, he is a real tough cookie, okay? Very resilient. And the second thing is that he is not self-pitying at all. He doesn't complain even when he's in pain. And his example we can learn from. But no, I'm not putting him up on a pedestal. I want to give glory to God for what God has done in his life. And he's too paisa. He will never tell you this story, obviously, right? But I can be free from his paisa feeling. I can tell the story on his behalf. So about two months ago, Pastor Matt was hospitalized for a thyroid issue. Uh, and when it first surfaced, uh, he ex experienced extreme drops in energy. Very, very tired. And if you know him at all, he's an energizer bunny. He works very hard for the Lord. And so when somebody that energetic becomes so tired, it's very hard to deal with. And he also told me, what's worse, he had heart palpitations. Very scary. He says it's like, when it happens, you don't know if you're having a heart attack. Now when Pastor Matt was admitted to hospital, he, even during that time, he had it rough. So he went to A&E and that at that very afternoon, the hospital was crowded. Staff were overwhelmed. So the poor man was sitting on his bed uh, in the hospital car park for the whole afternoon. Then finally, they wheeled him in to the hospital, but not to the ward, to the corridor. Because it was still, there was still no room for him, like Jesus, uh, no room for you. And then when he finally got warded, one night, he was suffering from insomnia. Cannot sleep. 
Then to make things worse, there was a man who was yelling away at the top of his voice. If you were him, how would you feel? The frustration, just the big sickness uh, with the whole situation. But you know this man, he, he really, really persevered as a disciple who loves the Lord, even in the midst of that. Firstly, he looked upward in faith. So that night when he couldn't sleep, right? What did he do? What would you do? You're, you cannot sleep in the hospital. This man got up, uh, he prayer walked around the other patients in the hospital. Yeah, he prayer walked and he walked near the guy who was yelling and the guy calmed down. So either it was the peace of the Lord or the guy was freaked out that somebody walking around muttering to himself. <laughs> I think it's the first, uh, okay? And, uh, when Pastor Matt tells you to prayer walk, I uh, believe me, he's done it already, okay? And he also looked outward in love. Because there was an elderly lady with dementia, right? And, and she kept repeating her story to the nurse every single minute, okay? And the nurse, Buita Han, she was super frustrated. You would empathize with how she feels like. And so Pastor Matt, Ki Chu, he raised his hand. He said, nurse, why don't you wheel her bed next to mine? I'll listen to her for you, entertain her for you. And so this man, he put his social work background, you know, he's, he has a social work background, his pastoral skills to good use. When he was wearing his hospital gown, you know, isn't that incredible? And finally, he looked forward in hope. After Pastor Matt was, was discharged, uh, he had to slow down his pace of ministry, understandably, because he was still ill. But he didn't stop. He persevered and he kept on pastoring. He kept on preaching. And one of the things that he did, and some of you are direct beneficiaries of this, he ministered one-on-one -on -one to a number of people here in the East Congregation who were also ill. You see, I think that's what it means to look forward in hope. He continued to grow in his faith, his ministry. He continued to bring comfort and healing to many other people and he himself was ill. What a guy, what a guy. I'm personally inspired by him. Maybe we just give him an encouragement right now. You know, Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians to honour our leaders, so that's what we're doing right now. But today I want us to look beyond the servant to the master, our Lord Jesus. He conquered sin and death through perseverance. Do you know that? He persevered all the way to the cross. He stayed true to his mission all the way to Calvary when with outstretched arms he declared, it is finished. Finished means you've reached the end point. There was no giving up halfway. There were no shortcuts for our Saviour. And today we are, we're going to commemorate that in just a bit with the Holy Communion. And if today you are wondering how to persevere in your faith, you don't know how to finish the race, do one thing with me. Look upon the one who finished the race for you. Will you find in him today all that you need to keep on keeping on. Let's pray together, shall we? And give us some time to respond to the Lord. And at this time, my call to response is very simple. If there's something that you need the Lord's strength to persevere in this morning, right, take your right hand and you put it on your heart right now with me, would you? 
There's something you need the Lord's grace to persevere in. And you say, God, I can't do it. I don't know how to run the race. I don't know how to finish it. But I will keep on keeping on if you say so. So allow that space and that silence for the Lord to minister to you. You see, my friends, perseverance is not about gritting your teeth. Perseverance is about the grace of God that flows into our life. And as you put your hand on your heart right now, I just want to ask you to receive anew that grace of God for your life. The grace of God for every single moment. The grace of Lord, the Lord that came at, at Calvary is already given. And now one thing I want us to do, just take that hand that's on your heart, just open it up before the Lord and say, God, whatever it is that I have prayed about, I surrender to you right now. I surrender to you right now. I release it to you. I release it to the foot of the cross and say, God, it is yours. It is yours. Thank you, Lord. You see all these hands in surrender, these hearts in surrender. Help us to respond to you this morning. you had spent some time listening to God's Word and we hope that the message has ministered to you. Should you require more assistance, kindly call 6892-6811 or you can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.